Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. So this is where it all begins in the book of Acts. And again, over the next five weeks, we want to take time to be reminded again of the origins, of the, the purpose, the vision, and the power of this thing called the church and how it all began. And uh, I think if we're honest, as we do this study together, we're going to look and see how the church was formed and began and be reminded, especially in the church of North America, boy, we have drifted a little bit from those origins. And the drift hasn't only been institutionally in the institution of the church, the drift has happened, if we're really honest, in the hearts of its people and as believers. And so we want to look at that a little bit closer this next uh, five weeks together. And as I chose the, the book of Acts to kind of start the series, the goal was not just to give you a history lesson on how the church began. The goal is really to give us a blueprint to answer the question I think churches are asking all over the country. What does church look like in 2023? And how do we realign and reset? I think the beauty of the book of Acts is it gives us a blueprint, a plan, uh, really God's design for what it looks like for us to impact this world in such a, a powerful way. So I want to encourage you over these next few weeks as we jump in is to, to do a little bit of the hard work, right? To, to hear and not just listen to listen, but reflect, look inside and say, God, maybe where in my own heart have I drifted? God, what do I need to be reminded of, of how you have created this whole thing and the significant role I play in the gospel and what it means to the world? And so I encourage you to do that. Because I know in the context of where we have drifted as a country and as a community and families and even as a church, right, all of those institutions, they need us <laughs> to be the men and women that God has created and called us to be. Uh, it needs the church to be what God has called us to be, and I think we've got the great potential to do that. So to help during this series, to kind of solidify some of those truths and maybe help push them a little bit deeper within your heart, uh, in the spirit of New Year's resolutions, some of you always every year like, I want to read the Bible more. So here, I want to help you out during our series in the book of Acts. If you go to lexcity.info, I have a 28-day devotional study that goes right along with this series. So for 28 days, a chapter each day, short little devotional, three or four questions. And uh, you can go to lexcity.info. It's a PDF there. But encourage you to kind of join in if you want to get started on a new pattern of, of, of reading the Bible. This is a great way to do that. And I think in our series, it will add a lot of depth to it. And so, again, that's on there. The book of Acts. Sometimes it's called Luke, part two, because the book of Acts was written by, guess who? Luke. And it's actually a continuation of Luke's telling of the story of Jesus from the book of Luke. Uh, into the, the book of Acts. And uh, some have described it this way, and I think it, it's pretty accurate. The book of Luke is J Luke's account of Jesus' ministry while here in human form. And the book of Acts is an account of Jesus' ministry in his spiritual body through the thing we now call the church. And so we're going to see that continuity between the two. So a little bit about the author Luke. Uh, Luke, we know he was a physician. Uh, I think if Luke was in our color series and he had to do a temperament, uh, my guess is Luke was probably a pretty strong blue uh, because Luke gives us all kinds of details and precise information about everything that he seems to happen when he writes. While the Apostle Paul wrote most of the books of the New Testament, 
uh, the Apostle Luke wrote most of the words in the New Testament that are there. Uh, and he wrote the most words in simply just two books. The Apostle Paul wrote 32,000 words, and he did it in 13 books. Uh, the Apostle Luke wrote 38,000 words, and he did it only in two books. So uh, those of you who are married to blues or have a relationship with blues, uh, you understand how this goes, right? How was your day? Oh, it was great. About 8.05, I got up and I headed to work. I was feeling pretty good about the things, and I got a coffee. It was a little too hot, but I got better. And Jill stopped in at about 9.30. You're like, just tell me about your day, right? This is Luke on lots of details. So bless his heart, he has written 28 books in the book of Acts, uh, and I need to do this in five weeks. So I should have not have picked the blue to kind of do this. But So here's, what we're, so here's how we're going to attack the, the book of Acts. Oh, I'm going to do it in two sections during this fiscal year of 2023. Uh, I'm going to take these first five weeks, and I want to hit on five themes out of the book of Acts that I think relate to the church. And then in our summer series, um, <clears throat> sometimes the book of Acts is known as the book of the Acts of the Apostles, the events, the things that the apostles did. And during our summer series, we're going to take those five or six weeks, and we're going to study many of the Acts of the Apostles that are found in the book of Acts. So I'm hoping between these two, two ways that we can kind of get a good look at that. So again, it becomes really important, as I mentioned, that 28-day reading devotional guide. Uh, I think that's going to be a great way for you to kind of create continuity between these two sections as we're going to study throughout this year, and I think we'll give you a great overview of the book of Acts. So again, if you've got your Bibles this morning, let's go to Acts chapter 1. If you've got your phones, you can fire them up. Go to lexcity.info if you're new. So glad you're here this morning. All the sermon notes are there. That 38, our 28-day devotional is there, and you can find all the information about our church in Acts, or lexcity.info. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Let's jump in. In the first book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. What was the first book? Thank you. Luke, right? So he said, in the first book, in the book of Luke, I told you about all these things. And now I'm going to tell you what happened after the book of Luke. So let me give you a couple moments just to give you some context of what happens between the ending of the writing of the book of Luke and the starting of the writing of the book of Acts. There's about 50 days between the resurrection of Jesus and the event that we call Pentecost, that's covered in Acts chapter 2 that we'll talk about next Sunday that's there. And during these 50 days, and really 40 of those 50 days, Jesus appears to many people in his resurrected body. Amazing accounts that we read all throughout the New Testament. But to the people that he appeared to the most were his disciples during that 40 days. And in Luke, Luke chapter 24, with great detail, Luke shares about some of those events where Jesus, in his resurrected body, appeared to the disciples. He said they actually, he actually ate with them. Shares the account where Jesus took time to say, see my hands, see the holes in my hands. I want you to know that I am the Messiah. I want you to know that I am who I said that I am and that I did the things that I said that I would do. And so it becomes so important for Jesus understood that these men had to be 100% convinced that Jesus was who he says that he was if they're going to fulfill what he's going to call them to do. We'll see here in the book of Acts. And we saw the impact of that in the lives of the disciples is that these men were 100% in. We know that because they experienced some of the most gruesome, agonizing death for the sake of their faith as anybody in human history, right? These were men, if you go down the list of how they died, many were crucified, some were crucified upside down, some were stoned, some were killed with spears, John was boiled in hot oil as they go, and they never would have endured such agony 
for a faith that they did not believe was true. People always ask, how do you know the Bible's true? How do you know Jesus is who he says that he is and he did what he said that he'd do? I'll tell you, because 12 men endured the most agonizing thing with 100 confidence that this man named Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, if they will do that, there's a sense of authenticity about that faith. They gave their lives for a cause that we're going to see. Acts chapter 1, continue on to verse 2. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had been given the commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, verse 3, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, right? This is what we're talking about. At 40 days, Jesus says, I have presented myself, proved to them that I was who I was, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Can you imagine in the hearts of the disciples, man, just the anticipation now that that's beginning to grow. I mean, Jesus has this thing for them to do, and, and man, the juices are flowing now because, look, at they've experienced Jesus. They, they've seen Jesus once again. They've spent time with a risen Savior. They're ready to spread the gospel. They know this is what God's calling them to do. They've had the pep talk. I mean, this is the moment. Everything is building towards this moment. Let's leave Jerusalem. Let's get out on the mission. Let's get this thing going. <laughs> But I'm reminded so many times, isn't it, that, that our timing isn't always God's timing. Look at verse 4. And while they were staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you heard from me. And Jesus says to them, in this moment as they're feeling like everything's building to this moment of action... And Jesus says to him, I think some of the toughest words that's for us to hear, right? He says, I, I need you to wait. <laughs> I need you to be patient. I need you to just rest and be still, right, in these moments. Waiting. I don't know, does anybody else have a problem with waiting? Not one of my real strengths that I do. And I know I'm not alone in this because you ever watch people, when they're getting on an elevator, ding, 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 ding. I mean, you push the button once and it accomplishes it. They just, you know, they're on and on. I mean, you, they, they just answer. You got to keep pushing the button. Uh, you know, we, we struggle to wait. Nicholasville Road, been in your car, right? And they're honking, and it's like, folks, we're going to go 10 feet, and we're going to wait another 20. This is Nicholas. You came on this road. You know what this is going to be for the next half hour, right? And we just can't. Ah, you go to Walmart. They're bouncing from line to line, trying to figure out which one's going to be the closest, you know? We have this impatience. Got to have it now. And those are just the small, silly things of life. How about the big things in life? I'm waiting for that next job, the next opening. I'm prepared. I, I, I got all the, my resumes ready, and I'm waiting, God, will you please move? God, I'm waiting for this spouse. I want this in my life. How long do I got to wait? All my friends, I, God, it's time, or whatever it would be. Some of you, in 2023, you have, these, you have big transitions coming, and you're not sure what they are, but you just you sense it in your heart. There's this unrest and this waiting become so difficult. You, you feel ready. You feel prepared, right? You're just waiting for God to open the door. You're like my dog when you come in. He's getting ready to go out for the walk. Probably yours bouncing back and forth. Like, he's, it's time. It's time. This is the disciples. Man, they are ready. They got the mission. They know what they're supposed to do. They've seen Jesus. So it's like, you're the Messiah. Let's go. They're ready for this moment. And Jesus says, no, I need you to wait. And it's confusing. Because nobody knew and would be a better witness for Jesus than this group of men right now, right? Nobody had spent more time with Jesus. Nobody had seen more miraculous signs and wonders from Jesus. Nobody had done more signs and wonders than this group of men. 
And yet, though everything is building, Jesus says, I need you to wait. Because he says this, you're, you're missing something greater than all of your skills, than all of your charisma, than all of your first-person experiences with me. There is a power that must accompany the truth that you want to share, and it's not here yet. So I need you to wait. Go to verse 4. And while they were staying with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. And why do they need to wait? For the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Jesus says, I need you to wait because there's a promise. There's something coming from the Father. So what, what is this great promise that they're supposed to wait for? We're going to see over the next two weeks that the promise that he says that you need to wait for is the Holy Spirit and what that means. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit... And this idea that if you grew up in church, you probably have one or two church extreme experiences, right? Some of you may have grown up like me at a church. We didn't talk much about the Holy Spirit. There was almost fear of the mysterious mystery, mystery of the Holy Spirit. And if you talked and you talked too much about it, who knows what might happen? You might get up and start dancing in an aisle or speak in tongues and hold snakes. You know, it was this fear that this was going to happen. Or you grew up on the other one where the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit was so emphasized and focused on that your whole faith was built on signs and wonders and it became this experientially based faith, right? Somewhere in these two extremes. What I love about the book of Acts is it finds, I think, this wonderful biblical balance of the two, acknowledging the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit and what he does and yet a centrality to how important it is. And my goal is over these next few weeks to try to find and understand that balance uh, a little bit better. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And a topic that sometimes is confusing and sometimes there's some controversy on what that looks like. But I think Acts gives us a great perspective. Because you can't read the book of Acts and not acknowledge and be so encouraged and inspired by the impact of the Holy Spirit and what a central role that it plays in the spread of the gospel to the world. All of that is summarized in really our key verse for our whole series and really the book of Acts, if you want to know what it's all about, is found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Let me read it for you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I love this. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. From the writing of this from Luke, 10 days later, from Acts chapter 1, verse 8, there's an event that's going to happen that will forever change the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the life of a believer. This event is known as Pentecost that we have. And something happens at Pentecost that forever is so uniquely different. How we relate to the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit relates to us in any other time in, holy, in human history. And it's so significant that Jesus is going to say to the disciples, listen, man, I need you to wait. <laughs> You're at the door, pouncing, ready to go. I need you to wait. Because something is coming that will permanently change everything. Now, up to this point, if we think about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of, of, of Christians and believers at this time, I mean, the Holy Spirit has been extreme. You see it all throughout Scripture. Very active and specific people for specific purposes. Uh, we see in the Old Testament, right? The Spirit indwells, anoints, fills. We see it through life of Moses. We see it in the life of David and David. And Saul, in the book of Judges, we read over and over where the Holy Spirit came upon these judges for a specific time to help them deliver Israel 
uh, from their oppressors. But next week, next week we're going to see for the first time at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit permanently indwells all believers. Let me try to just put it this way. It's simplistic, uh, but kind of an oversight. Here's a thought. Before Acts, the Spirit was with us, and after Acts, the Spirit resides in us. You see the difference that's on there? For the first time, we're going to see in the book of Acts, in human history, that the third member of the Trinity dwells within the heart of not just specific people, but in the hearts of every believer. And not simply for a season, and not simply for an event, but the Bible says that he indwells permanently in the life of the believer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, right? In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And I love this thing we have. Don't miss this. Now, for the first time, not just chosen people for chosen purposes, but every believer has the Holy Spirit within them, and in there becomes a divine purpose. That the Spirit was given to us, ordained by God for a purpose. And so the question is, what is the purpose that God has given? Go back to 1, verse 8. You see it. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And here's the theme that we're going to see in this series, in the book of Acts, over and over. The one word we see over 39 times, it's either used or a noun or a verb, this idea of being a, a witness. A witness is somebody who tells what they have seen, so that they have heard, or what they have experienced. Don't miss this important, important truth, though. You don't have a choice if you're going to be a witness or not a witness. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, because the Holy Spirit indwells within you, you are a witness. The question only simply is, what kind of witness will you be? In 2023, as we think about this new year, that's the question, right? What kind of witness do you want to be? See, your neighbors, your co-workers, they, they've already reached conclusions, what they think about your faith, based on what they see in your life and how you act, Right? They're paying attention. They observe. You have a witness. They have an opinion about that, what, what that witness is. I'm, I'm always reminded. I had a neighbor um, who was indifferent towards me. You could maybe even say hostile at times towards me. And so we had an event that we had a group of people over. And one of my guests uh, rolled over the curb and his tire got onto his lawn. And so my neighbor was graciously pointing that out to me and pointing many other things out to me as we have this conversation, right? And so in the midst of our colorful conversation, he says to me, he says, by the way, he says, man, I'm just offended too because you keep having all these parties and you never invite me over. I had the chuckle that my parties are Wednesday nights, uh, community groups at our house, you know, life groups, <laughs> pretty big party. But what I was reminded is this dude has been watching. He knew exactly what night, how many people are coming over, and he'd been paying attention to all these things, right? He, he knows that's a routine. He, he knows that I live in community with people and that I love to have groups of people over at our house. In our current house, I mean, I love when y'all come over. You, you take over the neighborhood. You take over the block. So if you come over for games or you come over for UFC fight nights, and we take my neighbors notice, and they know that I live in community and connection, and they ask those things. 
They know on every Sunday morning my driveway is empty because my family goes to church every single week. They know I don't scream and yell at my wife and my kids in the backyard when I think nobody can see or nobody hears. They know I pick up after my dog when we take him on a walk. Why? Because that's my witness. See, you have a witness, <laughs> whether you think you do or not. Everybody's looking, so the question is, what is your witness? Your, your kids' teachers, their coaches, and they've got an opinion about your witness. You sit at parent-teacher conference, they've just sat through 30 other parents who take no responsibility and blame everything on the institution and the teacher and take no accountability for the kid, and now you come sit in the seat, you have a witness. And how you act and how you behave makes a difference. Sitting at your kid's game, and you're up there in the stands, and that ref, who never should have been given a whistle, but now thinks he's the emperor of the world, and now is doing his thing, right? And everybody goes, woo! You've got a witness. It's your work. Do you show up early? Do you leave late? Do you do an honest day's work for what you get paid? Is there integrity about what you do, what you talk around in the water cooler? Is it uniquely different than what everybody else says? Is there a tone? Is there grace in your words? See, the, the issue is not do you have, you have a witness. Your coworkers and neighbors have already reached opinions about what your witness is. And I just want to remind you, how do we need to do better in 2023 and how do we need to make a bigger difference? Why? Because the Holy Spirit indwells and lives within us. And because he does, we are his witness to the world. And somehow, in this modern age, we have, we have overemphasized institutional witnessing. And we have downplayed our personal responsibility. And what I love about the book of Acts, right, is it empowers us as individuals, as individual believers with a purpose tells you again that the Holy Spirit lives within you, and because he lives within you, there's a promise, there's a power, and there's a purpose with your life, and you're accountable for that, and your witness really matters. And I'm glad it does, because isn't it true? And this, I, I'm glad there's more to this life, as I look towards this next year, I'm glad there's more to this life than just simply making it through a paycheck to the next paycheck. My goal just to get to the 15th and 30th and pay all the bills and just survive to the next. There's got to be more. I'm glad there is. God's given us the Holy Spirit, so I have a bigger thing than just having my kids and trying to keep them safe and just trying to keep everybody under control. I mean, there's a bigger purpose than that. I'm glad it's a witness. That just greater meaning and greater fulfillment in life than simply having a fully funded 401k or a thousand people following me on Instagram, whatever it may be. Listen, Acts reminds us that a purpose is found in the promise, in the purpose, in the power of what Acts 1.8 says. Let me go back to it. Key verse. But you will receive power. Here's the promise. As a believer in Jesus Christ... After Pentecost, one of the great things is that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells within the life of a believer. That's a promise. It's a beautiful thing. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this is the power, right? The power of your life is not you. The power of your life is the Holy Spirit that lives within you. The apostles sat there with no more valid people to share the gospel with the world, had experienced Jesus, had done miraculous miracles themselves, and yet Jesus says, wait, because you don't have the power. 
Power's going to come in 10 days. You don't know it yet. There's power there. The power of your life is not your education and your charisma and just how wonderful you are. The power of your life is that the Holy Spirit lives within you, right? And then he tells us what the purpose is. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The promise that you will receive. I'm reminded this, go back to just that, that promise. And the wonderful truth of, 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 the, of the promise is simply this, that you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And for the first time, it's not just a special privilege for a few or something that we just, uh, we plead for God for, right? That it's like salvation. It comes through grace, grace and not through human effort. Titus 3, 5 and 6 reminds us. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That God sovereignly pours out the Holy Spirit on those that he saves, right? It's not by our own. The power, let me go back to that. The power of salvation. The power of our witness, again, is not found in our abilities and our talents and our charisma. As I shared, the disciples were the most qualified people to do this, and Jesus says, you don't have enough. Right? And finally, that purpose that's there that the gospel, the witness, would go to Jerusalem first, Judea, and to the entire part of the world. Now, I want you to have that framework because everything that happens in the book of Acts that we're going to read, right, deals around this idea of this, how the gospel is going to get spread to the, really the entire world, how God sovereignly is going to lead through human action. It's going to be amazing. Through 12 men, it's going to start, and this movement is going to spread. To the entire, a movement that is so great and so transformational that 2,000 years later, you and I will give up a Sunday morning to gather together to celebrate what this movement has done in our lives. I mean, that's a pretty powerful thing. And Jesus is going to say, listen, I'm going to show you in the book of Acts how the sovereignty of God is going to work through persecution. It's going to work through trials. It's going to work through death. And you're going to look on a human say and say, this was meaningless. Why did Stephen, we'll see a little later, why did Stephen, the nicest of all guys, why did Stephen have to die? And you're going to see this, that the martyrdom of Stephen was a catalyst to spread the gospel beyond the region of the earth to the entire world. God's going to say there's a sovereign plan. See, and so many times we get locked into the here and now. You're locked into January of your 2023, and you can't figure out why God isn't moving or why this thing has happened or why this happened at your job and why it happened at your work, and you can't figure out meaning of it. And God wants to say, can I just remind you there's a bigger plan. There's a sovereign God who's working through the actions of man, some good, some evil, but God's working through them all for his greater purpose. And for many of you, that's 2023. God has something for you. You're just 10 days early. God just says, wait. 10 days, something's going to happen. It's going to change everything. Be patient along those lines. That's why I want to encourage you on this 20-day reading, little devotion we have. It's going to give you this big overview, right? You're going to be able to see if you read it and look through and say, how did God use this event to fulfill Acts 1-8, where he says, I'm going to take this gospel from this little town of Jerusalem. It's going to spread over the entire world. And if you look at that perspective, you'll see in 28 days, oh, man, that didn't seem like the right thing, but I can see how God used it. And this happened because you get the idea where we're going to go. Here's what I want to just encourage you with this morning, though. It, as we start the book of Acts, I'm reminded of this. It, it all begins at home, right? It, it begins in Jerusalem. It begins in your house. 
begins in your neighborhood, begins in your community, your spheres of influence that you have. Dr. Oswald Smith simply says it this way, the light that shines farthest will shine brightest at home. So it begins with you, and it begins with me, it begins with us. See, the, the church... <laughs> The church is simply just a culmination of individual believers and followers of, of Jesus. The magic isn't in the institution. <laughs> the magic is in the people. So you want to be a grace-giving church full of graceful people? Then you've got to be a grace-giving person <laughs> who sits in the chair next to the person next to you. Right? That, that's what a, how a church becomes grace-giving. You want to be a generous church? Then we've got to be men and women who exercise generosity in our own personal lives. The church stuff is an overflow. That's what it's there. Want to be an evangelistic church? Then we've got to be men and women who have a heart for people who are far from God and reach people and talk to people on an individual basis, and the church becomes an overflow and outpouring of that kind of thing. See, the witness of the church is determined by the witness of its people. And the beauty of Lex City is you. The power of Lex City is the people of Lex City. It's not the institution, it's not the pastor, it's not the program. It's the witness of the people because the Holy Spirit lives within you and dwells within you. There's the power. It's the people who give testimony of what God has done. So what needs to change for you in 2023 for your witness to be greater. What intentional thoughts have you thought for this next year? God, this is what I sense you're laying on my heart to do, that my witness can be greater. I'll share one just for accountability and things like that. So I've, I've got a, a, a friend, a Christian friend, we ride motorcycles together. And so uh, we're gonna do in a few months, we're gonna do the Cannonball Run Challenge. So we're gonna start in the Atlantic Ocean and we have 50 hours to make it to the Pacific Ocean across the country uh, together. So I don't know if it would be a good idea. It seems like something fun. So we're going to go try to do this thing together, see if we can make it. Here, here's the deal. I have a witness with him. We have a good relationship because he's willing to do this idiotic thing with me. So we're going to do this. And then our wives are going to fly out and they're going to meet us in San Diego and we're going to spend some days. But here's the challenge. See, I have enough witness that we have relational collateral that he's going to give up however many... You know, we're going to go do this thing in 50 hours. But I was sharing with Tammy. I said, I just don't know. We've had spiritual conversations. But I just don't know without a shadow of a doubt where he is at with Jesus. we got a whole lot of religion and a whole lot of history. It's just all confusing. I, I just need to know. Because at the end of the day, I would hate someday for him to say, well, Brian, you were my friend. <laughs> I even knew you were a pastor. And we talked about these things, but we never got to the crux of the issue. You see what I and for some of us, we have been a good witness, and you have earned the right to have those kind of conversations in the lives of people. And I want to encourage you, what the book of Acts says, is you need to take that next step, because the Holy Spirit lives within you for a purpose. And a witness is somebody who gives an account of what they have seen and what they have experienced and what they have been told. And so my encouragement for you is, how are you leveraging whatever it is in your life for the sake of the gospel and the lives of people that are around you. So for me, it's going to be a motorcycle thing. This is what I just want to do this next year. How about you? You've got kids' soccer teams. You need to hold a barbecue at your house and 
just get to know some of those families and there will be one or two that the Lord will lay on your heart and say, okay, that's, that's where my witness needs to be this next year. Got a coworker after work, maybe rather than going out to drinks, you need to go out and just grab dinner and just say, hey, I know you're going through some tough stuff. Can I just help tell you what's made a difference in my life and have those kind of conversations? Next month in February, we'll do a relationship series. It's a great series to invite people. It's an easy invite. Maybe it's something like that. Whatever it is, I'm just saying God has given you something that you can leverage for the sake of your witness. And so in 2023, what plans will you put in place where God can use you to a greater thing for his glory? The book of Acts. Some call it the Acts of the Apostles, but I think it really is the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people for the sake of the gospel. It's going to be a great ride and a great journey over these next four weeks, but let me just tell you, it all starts with you, and it starts with me. And God, in his sovereignty, in his way, plan, decided, I'm going to create this crazy plan to reach the world for the gospel, and I'm going to do it through people, one person at a time, men and women who are bold enough to be my witness in a world that needs it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the challenge of the book of Acts. <laughs> and God, as we look closer, we acknowledge as a country, as a people, and as a church, sometimes we have drifted. We've drifted from this divine calling. We've, did, we've made things more complicated than what you've called. God, you just said, I need you to be my witness. What you have seen, what you have heard, what you've experienced, that you would give testimony of it. <clears throat> and I thank you for 12 men who took those words to heart. Who literally laid it all on the line and said, this is a movement worth dying for. This is a truth worth proclaiming. And they had the courage to be your witness. And hundreds and in thousands made a profession of faith and the movement grew moves from Jerusalem and expands to Judea and we see other to the uttermost ends of the earth and 2,000 years later it, it's our time and our moment in history to be our witness and so God we ask that you would use us to be faithful God may Lex City be not an institution but a gathering of people who are committed to be your witness your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church/give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.